Hello, and welcome to this Portland edition of Low Key. Guys, if you need your Low Key swag, go to www.lowkeypodcast.com and get a t-shirt. Now, without further ado, Water Avenue Coffee. It's nice. It's easy. It's low key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I'm here with Matt Mulatto from Water Avenue Coffee. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> so kind of describe what first got you into coffee and um, the building up of Water Avenue. Sure. So I was reflecting on just my journey in coffee oh, this past couple of weeks, and I really started as a barista when I was a teenager. My dad had a couple espresso bar, kind of mobile uh, card operations and was growing his uh, side of the business. And I really just fell in love with coffee, but also the kind of community nature of it. Um, I ended up spending a year in Italy in college and really got to see quite a cafe culture in Italy, which was inspiring. And uh, knew I loved food service, hospitality, and uh, kind of have just chosen coffee as a great uh, path to uh, not only have a focus on a specialty product, but really look at how we can always be uh, improving on hospitality, et cetera. Water Avenue started about eight years ago as a way to... um, kind of expand our horizons. We'd been focused primarily on education with the school and really needed to diversify a bit and just saw a great opportunity here in the central east side of Portland in an area that was really pretty desolate at the time. And we've become quite a hub for the neighborhood and have really built our brand into kind of the hometown heroes here in Portland. Is That's our 98% focus is... Uh, coffee here in the city so we can talk a little more about that but uh, it's just been a great I've loved being in the industry as um, you know multifaceted company but um, every day I wake up looking at you know how thankful I am to be in coffee in Portland but um, really uh, finding this niche to really create a kind of a, a lifetime path so coffee's just grabbed a hold of me. You're kind of one of the staples in Portland, one of the coffee shops that's I feel like is a bigger success. Um, for you, what, what do you think makes a successful coffee roaster in Portland, Oregon? <clears throat> well, as you know, there's probably 200 roasters now in Portland. Um, and I've, you know, I'm a native Oregonian. I've grown up not only in the coffee scene since the 90s, but just uh, I think that you have to be authentic to succeed in a city that does have so many options. Um, Again, we've decided to base our business around 
the city and our customers here in Portland. 98% of our coffee is hand-delivered and consumed here in Portland. We do some guest roaster spots, but our focus is working with and developing partnerships with iconic Portland companies. So that's been uh, an exciting part of what I feel makes Water Avenue a little different and maybe uh, helps with such a loyal following here in the city. Um, We also are very focused on social and community engagement. So uh, volunteer, uh, really uh, working again with local uh, businesses and embracing the you know the city that we live in I think has been part of that and that comes through again an authenticity of just who we are and why we love Oregon and um, I think people can relate with that kind of describe some of the struggles that you that you had in beginning Water Avenue Sure. So as I mentioned, this neighborhood was pretty desolate. The space that we're in right now uh, wasn't even leasing month to month, you know, and it was like a lot of warehouses down here. And granted, 2009, the economy sucked and there just wasn't a lot of new business or or, uh, positive growth. And that's what inspired us to take on this space. And actually, we started by roasting in this space and as you can see it's you know we have about 800 square feet or so of this area where we would roast Um, but we quickly as we grew we just had to embrace the kind of willy wonka nature of being in this building with without a real loading dock and without um you know great ingress egress for a roasting business so those were some of the challenges i think that Overall, I think when you start a business or have a business in general, you have to really be prepared to embrace change. Literally every day something's going to happen that you didn't expect. You know, yesterday I mentioned uh, before we started that, that we had a water filter pop at our downtown location. And, of course, on the day we're not open and we walk into a bunch of water in the basement. And, you know, you just have to be ready to... Uh, ebb and flow with the changing nature of not just the coffee industry, but just life in general. So not being reactionary and being prepared to deal with situations to create solutions is really something that will never change. So it's better to just take a deep breath and embrace that. Um, But yeah, I think just like any small business, really, um, as we grew, we inherited a lot of other uh, little areas we needed to uh, continue to to evolve. The roasting side was a big one. And about three and a half, three years ago, we moved into a much larger roasting warehouse that's just production. So that roaster and retail is super fun. And a lot of roasters start out that way, but knowing when to invest in the growth to continue a wholesale program, I think is uh, one of those milestones that a lot of roasters go through. You guys kind of have a cool thing. Um, you and the, the co-owner take trips down to the farms and stuff. So describe kind of your relationship with some of the farmers and the farms that you're connected with. Sure. So <clears throat> a lot of you hear a lot of 
terms and buzzwords in our industry of fair trade or direct trade. And um, more and more people are, you know, small roasters or even baristas are going to origin, which is fantastic. Um, so my the co-owners actually Bruce, my dad. So we're yeah. So we're a you know family-owned. Him and I own 100% of the business. Um, Bruce has been in coffee for longer than I have, and his uh, impact. He's been able to make it an early time in our industry in like the mid to late 90s. He was very interested in showcasing uh, what it was like to. Uh, not just go to origin, but really kind of documenting uh, growth and, or, you know, growing and harvesting around the world. So that connection's always been very important to both of us. Yeah. We've, this year, you know, I was in Costa Rica. I took five of our staff members down in January. I was in, in Guatemala a couple of weeks ago. Um, Bruce right now is on a trip to Peru and now in Ecuador. And there's a few reasons. I think that obviously we love to develop relationships and, and yeah. on a local level, but also with the people that grow the coffee that we serve. Um, that helps us support their needs. It helps us have transparency through the supply chain and the process. Uh, I think we're very fortunate as well that there's so many great uh, people to support these relationships now, either through brokers or importers that share a, a connection with the importance to pay a fair price and to get that money to the farmers. Um, but we're in a, you know, an interesting time in our industry where uh, coffee's, you know, I won't say it's undervalued, but a lot of countries, especially, you know, Guatemala or El Salvador or Peru or Ecuador, I mean, these are small farms up in the mountains and uh, there's so much effort that goes into this product that paying a fair price is something that is is more important than ever. You know, there's so many big conglomerate coffee companies and a lot of our, you know, uh, beloved small roasters are now part of a larger, you know, uh, business or owned by, you know, bigger groups and investors to where... A lot of coffee's being bought on price, and I think it's so important we don't forget the importance of um, satisfying the needs of the farmers who are really taking huge risk year to year and see the biggest impact with either low yields or lower price, and always remembering that coffee's uh, you know an agricultural product but also a specialty product, and it's not a commodity, and I don't feel it should be traded as a commodity, especially the specialty uh, coffees that, that we all, you know, love and, and work with. So every year reconnecting with farmers being, you know, in different countries and equating what truly is a fair price to be paid is something that I feel we try to really have uh, just a transparent uh, relationship with, you know, our importers and our brokers and the farmers in general. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, just when coffee shops actually get to know outside of just um, just get outside and learn about the farmers or have a connection and like own that, um, and it's a really cool thing. Um, that's an inspiring thing to see. 
I'm, I'm drinking one of your drip coffees. Um, she told me it was a Guatemalan. Um, can you kind of describe that um, and then some of your coffees that you have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the coffee that we're drinking right now actually has a pretty amazing story. Um, this coffee is uh, from Guatemala, but it is from three different producers. Um, it's called La Morena. It's imported through a genuine origin. But what we're so excited about this coffee uh, is that it's fully uh, grown, harvested, processed, um, and imported all by women. So it's really uh, unique in the sense that quite often, you know, the, you know, uh, farm ownership and, you know, supply chain in coffee is predominantly male. Uh, so this coffee is really a great way to showcase, um, you know, women-owned farms and cooperatives that came together to really uh, tell a story. And then a percentage of this coffee is being donated to International Alliance for uh, Women in Coffee. Um, so it's a cool example of a coffee on our menu that is absolutely, uh, you know, selected for, you know, a great cause and reason. But again, we're something where we're paying quite a bit more than uh, other Guatemalan coffees that, you know, we've purchased or, or are available to ensure that uh, a fair price is being paid and then that money's going uh, to the farmer. So our, our menu in general always, you know, does rotate throughout the year. Uh, you know, coffee's seasonal, as you know. But um, showcasing a coffee like this is a way that we can really help educate our customers and get our staff excited um, and is just part of our overall philosophy uh, with, our, with our coffees that we showcase. Um, do you have a personal favorite brew method or fl flavor profile at all? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I love a, if I'm going to brew a cup of coffee, I love a Chemex. You know, it's pretty classic. It's, you know, not only just well designed, but there's something about it. When I really first started getting into, you know, manual brewing, I just fell in love with the whole story of, Chemex, including the you know the designer and the simplicity. Um, so as far as brew method, I like a Chemex. I like the cleanliness using such a great filter, and um, I I don't drink a lot of dairy, so I like uh, you know some dairy alternatives in a maybe a cortado or a piccolo um, that I'll enjoy, but. I don't know. One thing that I'm really excited about with Water Avenue is that we do have uh, some signature blends, and we we uh, really come at our blend philosophy not as a way to you know kind of neutralize coffees that you know might be really high quality or that are you know a little past crop, but with our blends, we really try to create a multi-dimensional coffee that has a profile that stays fairly similar throughout the year. Yeah. 
Um, we have one of our blends called Canoe that's one of my favorites. It's three different uh, origins, and it's one of my favorite coffees because it doesn't flatten out. It actually has a really great, you know, uh, balance from, you know, first sip to through its finish. So it's been kind of fun, you know, to uh, not be afraid to, to play around with blends and, and profile development with those. We work with a lot of high-end restaurants and chefs so that we meet with and cup with and we'll develop a blend for. And, we, you know, we're pretty transparent in that process in the sense that the coffees may evolve and change, but we're going to keep the profile that we've based uh, our, you know, cuppings on and around the profile that they want through consistent throughout the year. So I think it's an important part of specialty coffee that's not always totally embraced, you know, so uh, that's been fun. And then we always try to have a great selection of coffees uh, from Central America, South America, East Africa, and that kind of rotate through throughout the season. For you, being in the coffee as industry as long as you've been, how have you seen it change? Um, and then what would you like to see change in the coffee industry? Sure. So, gosh, yeah, I mean, in the last 20 years, there's been just a huge amount of change in a lot of areas. Um, I'd say that, you know, we've seen a huge evolution in coffee here in Portland. I know we've tried to always be leaders in the industry, especially on an independent level uh, in the coffee industry. Um, I think that the movement of more people roasting their own coffee has been really exciting. Um, I think that shared roasting spaces have been pretty cool to where maybe a barista can, you know, have easier access to get into roasting and start a new brand. Um, I think the support level that a roaster can provide on a wholesale level is something that uh, has evolved and with our business in particular, you know, offering ex and exceeding that support with our, you know, restaurant accounts and cafe accounts is something that is a passion of ours. It doesn't always make sense financially, um, but something that we love and that um, has been exciting to continue to evolve. Um, I also feel on a retail level, we're not taking ourselves so serious anymore. Uh, we have, you know, a, a traditional espresso menu at Water Avenue, but some of our most popular drinks are now signature beverages. Uh, one being our s'mores mocha that uh, is super awesome. It's made with locally made s'mores marshmallow and graham cracker, and it's just a fun beverage. We torch the marshmallow, and five years ago, I'd probably never tell you we'd have a s'mores mocha on the menu uh, but people not being so serious and really embracing that consumers want to try, you know, different experiences, not, not just what we think is specialty coffee and have adding a playfulness to that is really important. Um, and then, you know, just the evolution of education for not only our baristas and our, you know, team members, but our customers, I think is something that we're seeing uh, kind of continue to evolve. 
I'd say what hasn't changed as much as I would like is I still hear, just having been at Origin, I'm still hearing the same kind of plight and needs from a lot of our farmers that not just ours like Water Avenue, but just in general, coffee farmers saying the same things that have been challenges for almost 20 years as we evolve. So I think uh, as we improve communication with our staff and our customers, um, something that's so important is to share the story of the coffee farmer on a level that does reach the consumer. Um, one area that I'm working uh, very hard on is the last three years I've been involved in the Oregon Coffee Board, uh, being the president last year and continuing this year. Um, we haven't had an association in coffee that's really helped promote to the consumer, unlike other industries, like the pork industry has a huge marketing budget, the milk industry, etc. So getting that information to the consumer so that it's consistent and shares uh, and has an impact for our industry, something that's very important. So I'm really trying to um, make some grounds with that on a local and state level here in Oregon that hopefully someday can be replicated on state levels throughout the U.S. So I'm working right now to uh, have the first impact study done on the state of Oregon for social, economic, and environmental impact to the coffee industry, not unlike the, the uh, beer brewing or wine industry. Like, we've really got to uh, quantify this impact so that we can continue to promote, but also share that awareness on a larger level. That's really cool. What do you think is the biggest misconception about being a coffee roaster or owning a coffee shop? Um, I mean, I think that transparency is so important and that uh, quite often, um, you know, a consumer sees a $5 cup of coffee and thinks that just the retailers, you know, charging so much and making all the money. I think that understanding that we're all in this together and um, margins are often very small, uh, that coffee is really a volume-based business on all levels, I think is important to understand. And I don't know, I think, I don't know about misconceptions per se, as it is kind of an evolving understanding on a consumer level, but... Um, I don't know, I think misconceptions maybe is people don't quite fully grasp just how much work's gone into this one cup of coffee, how many people's lives are affected by, you know, the many variables involved leading up to when coffee's even exported and then roasted and then brewed. There's uh, just the how many people's, you know, true livelihoods are, are uh, based around the simple cup of coffee that we sometimes take for granted. So I think that that, this full supply chain and all the variables involved are something that um, is a continued effort to build that awareness and has a huge impact. What advice would you give someone that wants to start up a coffee shop or a small business? So... 
what I'd say is absolutely start the business because of a passion that you have. We in the coffee industry are not just selling coffee. The most important uh, advice I could give is to understand that every small choice you make has an impact on the overall experience that your customers have. And it's only when all of those come together that I feel you can truly succeed. So obviously coffee is important. So is our menu, uh, everything on it, you know, consistency, quality level, innovation. These are all really key things. Beyond that, the environment that you create uh, is also really essential. And to be authentic to your neighborhood, to satisfy a social need for the customer. It's the only way you can really succeed. And then there's that experience as far as the hospitality side of coffee and food service in general that uh, is more important almost than the beverage or the quality of the product. Because here in Portland with so many opportunities and options for people, I mean, it's truly the overall experience that's uh, far more important than just a quality cup of coffee. So knowing that uh, your menu, your environment, and the experience all have to be there to provide that uh, great overall experience and to get people to come back. Um, don't put one of those areas in front of the other. They're all equally important. That's what we're seeing now is uh, even if it's the best cup of coffee you could ever have, if you aren't catering to what your customers' needs are or you're not providing an excellent full service, then people just won't come back. They have other options. What are some of your favorite things about Portland? Gosh, um, I mean, I grew up in, in the state of Oregon, but I've been coming to Portland since I was a kid. and. Um, I am always just continually amazed at um, at just how service oriented so many people are in Portland. There's a there is a continued authenticity in providing a really great um, experience, both in the food industry and specialty beverage, but. Uh, we are a city of innovators. We're a city of disruptors. Um, I feel that uh, as our city changes, you know, it's not everyone's on board with all the changes that are happening, but there's a lot of people that are embracing and help kind of direct this change and just being part of it. So I just love this city. I wish I could go back and live here in like the 20s as well just to see such an amazing growth period in Portland. But overall, I think that there's a, uh, an amazing, uh, you know, city, kind of a, a proud nature of innovation in the city and authenticity that, uh, not that we're not seeing in other cities, but uh, being a native Oregonian and a Portlander for so many years, I think, um, it comes with a, you know, a, a level of ambassadorship that I think is is key that isn't forced and that you know that people love. So it's it's fun to see our city grow. Why did you name Water Avenue Water Avenue? 
that's a you know always a fun question. And when we started the business, we had probably you know sixty different names that we were playing around with. And um, I was standing across the street looking at our building before we had ever you know began build out. And our building is on Water Avenue. This area is kind of known as the Water Avenue District. But again, at a time nine years ago, and there was not, you know, a lot of people down here. And really, it just hit me that Water Avenue coffee not only felt right, but it transcended just the obvious of being kind of where we're located. I think that it has the ability to, you know, maintain as a great brand, even when we're not on Water Avenue. Water is such an important part of coffee and brewing and and then avenue represents uh, movement and energy and transportation and we've kind of built our brand around a kind of a toast to this neighborhood it's kind of working class neighborhood we're right near the water we've got a train track a block away and just it encompasses and feels right to represent the business and kind of again pay pay homage and give that toast to this really amazing neighborhood and the history behind it. Well, how can how can people find you and see where you guys are, all your social mediums? Sure. So, um, at Water Ave Coffees, our Instagram, we try to showcase, you know, elements of our wholesale, our retail, our partnerships, and our travels there. Um, Matt at wateravenuecoffee.com is my email address, so shoot me an email. But, um, but yeah, really look for us out in the community. You know, we don't spend money on marketing budgets in a traditional sense. Uh, we'd rather invest in supporting local charities, businesses, and really just getting out and being involved. This Saturday, we have about 10 employees going to help uh, plant trees with an organization called Friends of Trees. We work with a local organization called Solve to do neighborhood cleanups and, uh, you know, clean up along the Willamette River here that we've founded our business on. And really just, uh, you know, it's through that social engagement that often people hear about us. So that's really important to us. So if you're not in Portland, we absolutely have a uh, our website, wateravenuecoffee.com. We do mail order. We do a subscription model of our coffees, which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of us. Well, uh, thanks for being on the Low Key Podcast. And I hope people come and uh, check out Water Avenue, buy some of your coffee, and, and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's great to meet you. And uh, thanks for taking time out of your day. Just come by and hang out. All right. See you later. Hey, guys, and thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. If you're ever in Portland, Oregon, go check out Water Avenue Coffee and try their canoe blend coffee. Also, go like and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. If you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. Give us five stars. It helps us out. Also, if you listen to this podcast and don't subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, that's it in low-key land. Keep it nice. Keep it easy. Keep it low-key. 
Thanks, guys. Thank you.